Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camarie Widmer, and joining us today is pro rodeo announcer and auctioneer Brandon McLagan. We are excited to have him as a guest as he shares how to make the rest of your life the best of your life, as he says. Um, he loves what he does and shares a lot of cool insights from the crow's nest. Before we get started, make sure to hit subscribe to the Rodeo Kids podcast on whatever platform that you like to listen to podcasts on. Second, share it with your friends because the more we grow, the more we get to help you guys and the more support we get to offer, which is awesome in the whole goal because rodeokids.com is for rodeo kids. So we got to share that. And I also want to invite you guys to head on over to the rodeokids.com website. We have completely restructured it and now Everybody can become a member for free. You get one Rodeo Kids patch and a couple of other goodies, a decal to put on your truck, and some other neat stuff in the mail. You'll get the chance to check out all the videos on RodeoKids.com, join our monthly Zooms, be a part of the Rodeo Kids Facebook page, comment on all the forums and read all of those and the blog posts and just all of the cool things that Rodeo Kids has to offer um, at the basic level. If you are wanting to be a Rodeo Kids ambassador, if you want to build your resume and you want to grow your platform and become, just take everything to the next level, get discounts on our mental game clinics. And now we have our new dietitian, Bailey Cooper with Rural Health Education to seriously transform your performance rodeokids.com is there to help you and when you become an ambassador you get a discount code to attend those clinics we get our monthly zooms and it's just an opportunity that if you guys are looking to be the best if you're looking to better yourself inside or outside of the arena rodeokids.com is there for you we don't want to just see you win buckles and trophies yes that's part of it but more than that we want to help you develop your character understand how to get through the highs and the lows physically mentally and do all of the things that allow you to be a champion in god's eyes not just in the ways of the world so Head on over to rodeokids.com, become a member. If you're ready to really take the plunge, become a rodeokids.com ambassador. You can sign up today and it's just awesome. Jump in, ask questions, get to know the other members, comment on things, participate in the discussions and in the forums, and it will change your life. So check it out, rodeokids.com on the website. Join us on our Zoom next Monday. September 26th at 7 p.m. with Kim Thomas from Kim Thomas Barrel Racing Clinics and Horse Training. She is an amazing person uh, that has a huge track record of training futurity horses, being a WPRA gold member. She has her tips on the WPRA Today show. She does clinics all over the country and coaches some of the top professionals and trains some of the best barrel horses in the industry. Even if you're not a barrel racer, These kinds of conversations are what you learn from. This is how you learn to be a champion because one event applies to the next event, applies to the next event, applies to the next job, applies to the next class, applies to the next relationship, the next horse, everything. It all intertwines if you choose to look at it that way. So join us on the rodeokids.com Zoom on Monday, September 26th at 7 p.m. Central Time Zone. You can find more information about that when you become a Rodeo Kids member on rodeokids.com. Now, let's get started with the podcast.
Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm excited to have you on here. Um, it's always fun to hear the stories of people like we met at um, the Russell Livestock Auction back when I penned back. And do you still auctioneer there? No, I haven't been there for probably, I don't know, three or four years. Okay. Well, I haven't either. So I'm kind of behind the times on that stuff. But, um, you know, it's fun to get to have these conversations with people that you've met and who have continued their journey and you kind of get to see it from an outsider's point of view and then to hear like your actual stories and, and how it happened and how everything's going is always really fun for me um, and for the listeners. So thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So with us today is Brandon McLagan, Pro Rodeo announcer and auctioneer. Um, So we're excited to, like I said, to have you here. And the way that uh, we usually do these podcasts is just start with your story from the beginning, how you got to where you are. You know, a lot of our listeners are um, younger kids and families driving to the rodeo. And it's just so cool for for people like yourself to to share your story and what it was like in their footsteps and kind of just your path to how you got to where you are and some things that they can pick up and maybe try in their own lives. Uh, when I was a little kid, uh, I was always fascinated with, uh, with sale barns and auctioneers and, and, and how they did what they do. And, and, uh, that kind of led me to, to want to go to auction school. And, and I went to auction school right out of high school, um, went to Missouri auction school in the spring of 1997. Um, um, I also was was active. Uh, I used to play guitar and uh, do a little singing, and uh, played in a lot of a lot of little local Opry houses around Kansas City um, when I was growing up across Missouri and Kansas. And and so I, I was always in front of people, um, whether I was auctioneering or singing at family functions or in church or talent shows or any of that. And then I, I caught the rodeo bug when I was, uh, I don't know, probably 14 or 15, uh, entered our hometown junior rodeo uh, in the shoot dogging and uh, just just fell in love with it. And and uh, I competed in, in junior rodeo in the shoot dogging for a couple years. And then uh, um, I got lucky one night or unlucky. I don't know how you want to look at it, but uh, went to a, went to a bull riding, um, up by, uh, Pleasant Hill where I grew up. I grew up in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, and they had a, a bull riding jackpot at a place called the Neon Buzzard and, uh, started going there and started helping Chris Pyle. Um, I would announce the mutton busting and calf riding and he would do the bull riding and then it just kind of progressed. And then one year I got to do it all by myself and, and uh, so I, I was doing that. Uh, Skeet Davis hired me for my first junior rodeo. And uh, that's been many, many moons ago. And uh, there's there's been doing it ever since. Wow, that's pretty cool. So how old were you when you went to auctioneering school? Uh, 17. It okay. was I, okay. I, I graduated young and uh, I was 17. That's awesome. And then how old were you when you started auctioneer or started um, announcing? My first announcing gigs, I was 16. 16. Wow. Yep. Yep. But I, I was auctioneering before I went to auction school. I worked for some 
some uh, the auction companies there around where I grew up, uh, Merle Gates, Clarence Hall, Rick Anstein, Dan Bird. Um, they were some of our, our hometown auctioneers that did household auctions and, and farm sales and, and uh, started working for them. I think the first sale that I ever got paid for was actually my great, great grandfather's uh, auction. Um, and Ben and Cleve Iman paid me like 10 or 15 bucks to run tickets back and forth. And, and after that, I, I was hooked. I thought there'd never be another poor day. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. It's, um, it's neat that your family was able to help foster that as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That makes a big difference. So what was it about, um, you know, you said you kind of got the bug when it started with auctioneering and sale barns and stuff like that. Like, what is it about that that just intrigues you? Well, it, it's like the Leroy Van Dyke song says, the auctioneer, the, the rhythmic sound. And I always just, I was so enthralled and so drawn to how those guys did that. Um, my, my grandma somewhere, I don't know if she still does, but she used to have cassette tapes of me when I was probably four or five trying to auctioneer and, and, uh, so I probably younger than that, but I, uh, it's, it's something I always wanted to do. And, and I've been very, very fortunate, very blessed to, to have the career that I've had and, and, uh, continue to have. Yeah. And you know, that's a throwback when we're talking about cassette tapes. <laughs> exactly. A lot of these kids, a lot of these kids are going to look at their parents in the truck and go, what's a cassette tape? <laughs> I know. I don't know if I even, I don't think we even own a cassette anymore. Even CDs are obsolete anymore. Yeah. They're, they're exactly, they're obsolete nowadays. So yeah, that's too funny. What are some things that you learned about like auctioneering? Like, that's one thing that always has intrigued me. I mean, obviously the rhythm of it and it's just like, it puts you in a trance almost. How in the world do people talk that fast? It, uh, well, I, it's, it's all about what you say between the numbers. Um, and, and, and how fast you can do it. Your numbers are the same. You, you can't say, one, two, three, four, five, any, I can't say it any faster than the next guy, Right. but it's what goes, it, what it's what's in between there that gives the, I guess, illusion that, that we're talking that fast. Cause that, that's a, that's a question that a lot of people ask is how do you talk that fast? How do you talk that fast? Yeah. Well, it's, it's not really talking fast. It's what you put in there and, and, and the way that you can make it sound fast, I guess. So what is in the middle? Oh, a lot of guys, you know, we all use different things. I say dollar bid, um, now down here, uh, would you give try bid buy? It's just, I, I and, and you know, you, you, I can't really say what I say when I say it, I just say it. It just rolls. Yeah. It's just, it's a roll and a rhythm. And when you get into it, you're into it. And that, that, that's how she goes. Yeah. When you're up there auctioneering, and we'll talk about announcing too, but uh, like, how do you keep everything straight? Like, how do you know from one person to the next where everybody's at? Which I know your ring men make a difference, but that's a huge deal for uh, an auctioneer because at the end of the day, it seems like it's what you say that is going to go at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, horse sales, cattle, or horse sales, um, 
uh, car auctions, equipment auctions, you have ring men. A lot of times at feeder auctions, at cattle sales, you don't. I mean, there's guys in there that are letting the cattle in and out of the ring, and they'll help you when they can, you know, but they've got another job. Their job's to count those cattle and, and let them in, let them out, keep the sale going, you know. Yeah. Um, but but you just learn, you know, uh, you learn who to watch for. You learn that this guy's buying six-weight heifers and this guy's buying four-weight wean bulls and this guy, he's buying uh, seven-weight steers, you know. Yeah. You, you just, you learn your clientele. It's just like anything else. You learn your clientele. Yeah. Get to know who's buying what and what time of year and who's who and who's buying yep. for who. And like yep, the cattle exactly. buyers, you kind of, I, you probably know that they might buy a little bit of anything. <laughs> oh yeah. There's, there are some of them that will buy anything from a, from a bobby calf to a slaughter cow. Right. And, and that's just, that's something that you've got to learn. You've got to pay attention to. And like I said, at the end of the day, you've got to learn your clientele. And I'm not going to lie. Um, there have been times when I didn't know my clientele and it's, it's, it's got me in trouble. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, it's, uh, I, I've auctioneered ever since I was, uh, I probably actually started an auctioneering before I started announcing, I bet I was 14 or 15. Okay. Um, when I started working for, for uh, those those guys around the house and uh my grandpa would take me to those sales and and uh, i owe a lot of my success in the in the auction business to my grandpa uh he fostered that i don't know the the love he he went to farm sales and cattle sales and and uh he kind of he's the reason that i i i fell in love with it and and uh, he hauled me to those sales and, and i owe a lot of 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 where i am today is because of him 40 years ago oh that's awesome and it's you know i think it's really important and one thing that i really try to hit home often is that you know my least favorite phrase is kids these days because kids these days are the way they are because of adults these days um, yep. and this is just the perfect example of that you are who you are because your grandpa showed you this kind of love, you know, and he taught yep. you to do it. And he taught you the ins and outs. And there was even a deal that came up on a post today about um, an adult woman who was a parent who she decided not to um, help at a little britches rodeo anymore because some of the other adults were being nasty and disrespectful to her. Well, in that, you know, that's, that's one of those examples where her example is going to set the stage for that next kid to just walk away when somebody's being disrespectful and quit instead of standing up for themselves. Um, so whether it's, you know, a, a thing where you're fostering somebody's complete career just by taking them with you, or you're doing the little things like standing up to somebody when they're being rude, um, it all makes a big difference in, in who we become and the next generation. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I'm, I'm big on that kind of stuff and, and it sure gets under my skin sometimes. So I work on my wording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, how do you, like, if something does go wrong, whether you're auctioneering or you're announcing, say like, say you got a little tongue tied or you got off on whose bid was who, and you sold to somebody at the wrong time. Um, how, how does that work? Well, you uh 
you try to act like you know what was going on and then you ask for forgiveness. <laughs> um, you know, there, there's, there's times as auctioneers um, that we have a tie bid. Um, you know, John says I was in, well, I've got Jim in. So you'll open it up between them uh-huh. and then whoever, you know, bids the most at the end of that process, you know, is going to win the, the, whatever you're bidding for, whether it's a cow or, a, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, but it happens. I mean, it, it happens all the time, happens every day at every sale. If, if an auctioneer says he's never been lost or he's never had a tie bid, he hadn't been auctioneering very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's just something you gotta, you gotta fight through and, and make it work and, and make it right for all parties involved. Um, your job as an auctioneer is your job is to get the most money you can for whatever you're selling for the seller. Um, but it's also to work with the buyer to get it for the best price that they, they, they can get it for. So it's a, it's a unique situation. Um, you know, you, you, you work for both parties, whether you want to think you do or not, you do. Yeah. You're quite the middleman there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And and I've had them mad on me, mad at me on both ends. It's just something you, you, you learn to deal with. Well, and I think one thing that's important for, especially for these kids to remember who listen to this and parents too, or whoever, um, that we all make mistakes from time to time, whether you're in the oh. auction ring, whether you're uh, standing at a big rodeo, whether you're a salesman, whether you're just stumbling over your words for a class project, you know, we all make mistakes. And like you said, ask for forgiveness. If they don't understand that's on them, you know, it'll, yep. it'll all come full circle. There's more cattle. There's more projects. There's more rodeos. It's all gonna There's be more rodeos. That's right. That's right. There, there's, there's something every day that, that you can do to make yourself better. I don't care if you're roping calves, riding bucking horses, announcing a rodeo, playing golf, baseball. There's something you can do every day to make yourself better. And, and, and that's what you've got to focus on. You bet. Amen to that. Amen to that. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about your announcing. Um, okay. Yeah. So let's just, what's that like? What's it like being up in the crow's nest um, with the crowd of people watching you announce, listening to you? Uh, it's, you know, I, I've, I've done it both ways. I've done it from the announcer stand and, and horseback. Um, my favorite way is horseback because a lot of times when you're in a crow's nest, people are looking like, where's this guy at? I hear him, but I, I can't, you know, Um, so I, I started announcing horseback, uh, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, um, had a gray horse. In fact, the last picture I've got of that horse, you were sitting beside me in Sac city, Iowa. You were on a pony for some reason. Imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm talking a little pony. Um, but, uh, that was in Sac city, uh, right before I lost him to EPM and, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, uh, you know, it's really, really cool, um, to do what I do. Uh, we just got done at Osceola, Missouri. Uh, great, great rodeo, uh, great crowds, great contestants, great stock contractor. Um, I could go on and on and on and brag about that rodeo. Um, it, it, it's such a cool feeling when I ride in, my wife plays the music, you know, she's up there in the announcer stand running the computer and the soundboard. And, and it's such a cool feeling when, when I ride in, I don't care if I'm in Leon, Iowa, uh, uh, Texas, Nebraska, 
Osceola, Missouri, it, it, when I ride in and say, Hey, how are you doing? And that crowd lights up. That's what it's all about to me. Yeah. That's, and I'm, I don't have that interaction with the crowd, you know, as a competitor, but it's like when you run home uh, on after a good barrel run, you know, there's nothing better, especially like I'm a big fan of the little indoor arenas. Um, I mean, Uh I like the big pens for my horse's sake, but for like the adrenaline and the rush, those indoor arenas, when you're running home and the crowds into it, it's just, I mean, it gives you chills just thinking about it. Yep. Yep. Oh, I'm the same way. I mean, I've, I've done Leon, Iowa for, I don't know, 15 years now. Mm-hmm. And, and we always do our opening and do our thing. And when we get ready to send those freedom riders in there and I say, Leon, Iowa, are you ready? That, and that crowd does what they do. I mean, to me that that's a feeling I'll never forget. When yeah. I, when I, when I announced my last rodeo, and I'm done and, and, you know, it's all, it's all done. It's all finished. It's all whatever. Um, I'll, I'll, I will remember moments like that. Mm-hmm. Right now we're talking about these rodeos that have an established crowd, you know, Leon's been around forever and those people yeah. know when the rodeo comes to town, they know how to cheer. They know when to clap. They know, I mean, they, they know how to be a rodeo crowd. Like we want them to be. What is it like when you go to a new rodeo in a new town and these people have no idea what they're walking into? Um, well, luckily, well, I've, I've got one coming up this weekend. It's a new rodeo in a new town. Um, I, I just, it, it's my job to inform them and say, hey, this is what we're going to see. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, for those of you that have never been here, um, you know, we're going to see bareback riding. We're going to see calf roping. We're going to see breakaway roping, uh, bronc riding, steer wrestling, you know, and explain the events to them. It gets monotonous to our contestants. I know mm-hmm. that, that hear me every night, every week, every performance. Well, the Cowboys in the bareback riding, they've got to make the mark out. And then you explain the mark out and then you go to the bulldog and then you got to explain to them what the hazer is and what the barrier is. And, and, right. you know, a one wheel catch and the team roping and, and I know contestants are like, good grief. He says this all the time. Well, you've got to tell those that have never been there what we do, or they're not going to understand it. They're not going to buy a ticket next year when we come back to town. Right. Exactly. If you, if you can, can lay the foundation, um, um, lay the foundation to show them what we do is neat, what we do is cool, and it's very difficult to master. That's what a lot of people don't understand. They think that they think that riding a bareback horse, there's just somebody up there flopping around, but they don't understand that what might look like flopping around to them is actually very hard to do. It's, it's something that takes years and years to master. And, uh, I just, I like telling the story. Yeah. I, I appreciate an announcer who is willing to tell the story. And I, I think all announcers do a pretty good job covering the basics, but like, I've really been diving into more the history of rodeo and having the kids um, on the rodeo kids ambassador program. You know, we've been 
we've been talking about the history and where this stuff come from, came from and how it originated and what it takes to be a competitor and the physical components of it and just like what it really means to be a cowboy or a cowgirl in each and every event. And yep. it's fascinating to me when you dive into that and you know yeah. an announcer does a good job sharing that and that's one thing that I, I hope that the cowboy channel continues to work on um is because like you said you know when you listen to the, the cowboy channel and you're in your home and you just came home from a weekend of rodeos listening to it then it does become a little monotonous but I still think there's so many cool different avenues and and things that this rodeo Western lifestyle has to offer that there's always something new to learn at every rodeo. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. How do you prepare for announcing the rodeo? Well, um, it starts for me, you know, a couple days before I'll usually call my secretary or, or pro com, uh, depending on, you know, where we're at and what the event is, I'll get my day sheets and then I start doing research. Um, I, I look at the association websites, uh, find out where they are in the standings, what they've done at, at Rodeo XYZ and ABC and PDQ. Um, if it's somebody that I don't know, uh, I'll, I'll creep them on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll find out what they do, what they do for a living, um, you know, how old they are. That, it, it, it's to be able to put all the pieces together takes a while. Um, oh, yeah. But when you can deliver it and deliver it right, um, and I'm not saying my way is the only way because it's not. There's a lot of great announcers out there that yeah. that don't don't do the homework that I do. Um, but it's just it's just I mean this is my this is my job announcing rodeos and selling cattle. That's that's my job. Yeah. Um, and and I I. I don't strive for perfection. I strive to be good. I strive to be better. I, I want to be better this week coming up than I was last week. You bet. And, and, and that's kind of where I'm at. You know, researching and doing all that is definitely interesting. And I had a conversation with another rodeo announcer not too long ago, and, and he made the comment that, you know, if as a contestant, we can really help out our announcers and um, help out ourselves. And like for me, you know, with RodeoKids.com and the Performance Pony Company, if I don't know the rodeo announcer, I'll usually go up to him and be like, hey, this is who I am, who I am if you want something different to talk about. Uh, because uh, I did a podcast with Steve Gander uh, uh -huh. and it was awesome. And one of the, the big things that he said is that you know, people want to hear that there are successful people there at the rodeo, you know, that somebody won this and that somebody won that. But at the end of the day, if that's all that they hear, they don't know these people at all. They don't really even know what event they're doing. So yeah, they want to hear that there's superstars um, there at the rodeo, but they also want to hear that, oh, somebody's a teacher, um, somebody's yep. a nurse, you know, when, when the crowd... Yep feel that connection with these are everyday people who are also going out there and doing this rodeo life on top of that that's a connection that they can't get at any other professional sport because no, everybody else exactly. is just a professional athlete and so um that was something that was really cool and and you know I was I think I was talking to Jeff Lucas and he was telling me about you know if you can give them that information 
uh, before the rodeo, that's so helpful to the announcers to throw in something interesting, something to celebrate, something that's just yep. different. Yep, it, it, it is. I mean, we can only find out so much. It, it's like Steve Gander said. He he was the uh, production manager at the IFR a couple of years when I announced that, and and he gave me a lot of pointers there and and really helped me. You know, yeah, it's it's neat to know that somebody won Cheyenne or, or won Denver um, or, or placed at Rapid City, but it's the it's the other things, you know, where they went to college, where you know it, their mom and dad, what they've done, you know, it's all it's all the package that comes together to make it good. Yes, it is. It is for sure. And God bless Steve Gander. He's got so he many is, cool tips he's writing another book and i can't wait to read it he he as far as i'm concerned when it comes to production and 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 rodeo knowledge he's hard to beat he oh. is hard to beat did you know that he was the first man in america to bring dirt to an arena floor like a, a hockey rink floor i heard that yeah i heard that i was like gosh that's just cool cool stuff yeah. So, um, how did you make the jump from amateur rodeos into pro rodeos? Well, I still, I, I still do both. Um, I, I don't, uh, I'm a rodeo fan. I'm not a pro rodeo fan or an amateur rodeo fan. Um, like I said, I, I still do both. Um, I'm very lucky and very fortunate to have friends that are involved in all facets of the game. Um, and so I stay busy. Mm -hmm. I think that when guys decide that, well, I'm going to be a PRCA announcer or I'm going to be a PRCA barrel man. I think that can hurt them because you always need to be working to better your craft. And if you're sitting at home, you're not working to better your craft. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 I've had my PRCA card for years, but it's been the last few years when I've been fortunate enough to, to get to work with with silver creek rodeo company uh randy and amber schmutz out of out of texas uh been working for them uh cordon sarah mccoy and their partners started mccoy rodeo uh worked some for them and and that's led to some relationships with folks like the moss Bruckers, uh up there in the dakotas and then uh i've known klein hall at generations pro rodeo for years and mm -hmm. and i'm going to work one for him this weekend so um i've met all my prca contacts through amateur rodeos or amateur bull ridings or or bull sales or whatever and uh it's just it's just neat to it's neat to tie it all together and 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 be able to i feel like to be able to work every weekend is is truly a blessing and and i look forward to it oh yeah it's it's an amazing blessing to be able to go anywhere every weekend in the rodeo world is um, is wonderful. And when you're guaranteed to get paid to do it, it's even better. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's very, very true. That's very true. <laughs> and that's one thing, too, that I like to talk about in, in part of these conversations is just sharing that. I mean, you were a rodeo contestant um, and somewhere along the along the line chose that this would be a, a better long term deal for you, you know, and, and even when you're done being a rodeo contestant, that there's a whole nother world that makes this world go round that you can be involved in on the production, the sales, the marketing, the, all the other things that judging. It produce a rodeo. Yeah. Judging there, there's a big demand for good rodeo judges out there. 
Yeah. Um, and, and it doesn't matter. I mean, a lot of guys think, well, I can't judge the rough stock. I was a calf roper. Well, you study it enough, you'll figure it out. You oh, know? yeah. So. And you still know, I mean, you might not be the best judge at first, but uh, practice makes well practice doesn't make perfect but practice dang sure helps <laughs> exactly exactly that's right um but yeah there's just so much to it and even you know on the business side of it you know maybe maybe you're not at the rodeo in the action all the time you know but maybe you work for a clothing company or you take photographs or you know just all the different things that you can do um are just so awesome and I just I don't ever want anybody to feel like if they're not a competitor that they can't be involved and still live this rodeo lifestyle. That's right. That, you're absolutely right. And I wish more folks would realize that. Yeah. It seems like there gets to be a disconnect between competitors and then, nope, I'm out of it completely. Um, it yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know a single stock contractor that turns down help in the back fence. <laughs> you got that right. That's That's for sure. That is for sure. There's a place for everyone. Yeah. For sure. Yep. So how is it, if you're gone every weekend, like how does that traveling, how does that work? Are you just a person who loves to be on the road and it works for you? Or do you get ever get burnt out or just what's that like? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I get, I get burnt out and I get frustrated. Um, my, my wife and, and daughter and and two dogs and a horse were on the road for 18 days in in the end of July and first of August. Um, I, I'm going to be gone right now for about 13 days. Uh, Harper's back in school, so Katie's Katie went home after Osceola and and uh, you know with my sale schedule, I have a cattle sale on Mondays and Wednesdays, and and if I'm already halfway to where I've got to be for for a rodeo the next weekend, it it just the way fuel is and everything else, I just, yeah, we've got a, we've got a trailer and I just uh, stay where I need to stay. And I've got a lot of committees that I'm, I'm very blessed and very fortunate to work with. And, and uh, they said, Hey, plug in, turn your horse out, do your thing. And uh, that's like right now, I, we got done at Osceola on Sunday night, Monday, I left, went and sold a cattle sale uh, and I'm away over here till Thursday. I'm actually headed to Joplin right now to play golf with my dad. Um, and then, uh, I've got a cattle sale tomorrow in Windsor, Missouri, and then I'm going to hook up the trailer and, and go to, go to Arkansas. And then I'll come back and lay over for a day and sell one on Monday and then go back home a week from today. So, oh, wow. Yep. Lots of coordination there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to know what I'm doing, when I'm doing it and how I'm doing it a month ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, my, my wife takes care of a lot of, of a lot of things at home. Um, and, and I, I, I couldn't do what I do without her, whether it be what she does at home or what she does when we're at the rodeos. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've got another good group of guys like Tyler Pettigrew and, and Blake Potts that, that if Katie can't come to a rodeo where they want me horseback, uh, those guys come and they're, they're both PRCA uh, sound directors and and uh, they help me out and uh, and I appreciate I appreciate them it it takes a village to make this whole deal work um, you know when we were gone for for three weeks Katie's grandpa took care of our calves and and fed horses and dogs that weren't with us mm -hmm. um, so it uh, 
I'm very blessed to have the family and the support group and the friends that I've got. Um, I, I said this on another podcast here a few weeks ago that I did with some folks. Rodeo friends become family. Um, I, I, I feel like I could break down anywhere in this country and within two hours, somebody would be there to help me. Yep. And, and I've actually had it happen. I mean, I've been broke down going to a rodeo. This was about five or six years ago. I was going through St. Louis. My truck breaks down. I call a buddy of mine. He's there in an hour, gets me off the road, gets my trailer to where off to a, to a place where I could stay for the night. And he calls a buddy of his. And the next day they show up where I'm staying with a brand new truck and say, go do your rodeo. We'll get your truck fixed and we'll see you Sunday afternoon. Yeah. You know, I've had that happen more than one time. Mm-hmm. And I just hope, I hope that someday I'm able to give that back, you know, to help, to help some people because people have helped me. Yes. And that's where I think that rodeo still has the foundations, um, that one that this country was built on and two that the good Lord tells us to live by love thy neighbor as thyself. You know, if if you were in the shoes, you would want somebody to help you. And so just giving back. And that's, that's one reason that I really truly love this lifestyle and this industry and everything about it, because your rodeo friends do become your family and um, that's just irreplaceable. Yep. Absolutely. I think, I think the, the, I think the, the rodeo, I think it's not just rodeo. I think it's the entire agriculture lifestyle. Yes. yes, Um, yes. I I think, you know, farmers and ranchers, I I married into a farming and ranching family Mm -hmm. and they are so, they are so close. They, I mean, I couldn't imagine working with my family every single day, day in and day out. I couldn't imagine that five years ago or 10 years ago. Yeah. And now I, I witness it every day, three generations of one family working together from sun up to sundown. And sometimes they even call me in to help them. And I, I just, I feel so fortunate that, that agriculture, agriculture is the root of this country and the root of this world. Mm-hmm. If there ain't no farmers, you ain't going to eat. That's right. Yeah. You ain't going to have clothes. No, no, and, or anything. And I think there's there's such a disconnect with the urban areas to the rural areas. We think they're all a bunch of hippies, and they think we're all a bunch of hicks. Yeah. And we've got to figure out how to connect on a on a better level, and things are going to be better for everybody. Yeah. There's um, something else I learned from Steve is that and I did research it as well, that less than 2% of the population in America has direct ties to agriculture. And that includes like your wildlife, your fishing, your farming, your ranching. I mean, that's everything that has to do with it. Um, And that's, it's alarming and it's worrisome. And we did, you know, what, like I said, one of our big deals is just always trying to preserve the industry, um, the heritage, the lifestyle, and the people, the youth uh, who make a difference in the world altogether. Um, I mean, we're a little biased in thinking that this is the best way in the world, but (laughs) um, we did a podcast with a gentleman from Western Justice last week and just learning about some of the things that that our industry faces. And uh, there's this, there's, 
that's exactly what there is is a disconnect um and it takes it takes everyone you know just like just like even the the person that we talked about earlier where rather than standing up to being disrespectful just walking away when i talked to dave duquette with western justice he said you know we used to just wait until there was a real problem and it was right in our face to address it you know otherwise we'd just ignore it and i think we all have a responsibility to educate others to wear our belt buckles to wear our cowboy boots to have those conversations and when we're in a group of city people to be an agriculture person to be a western person um and that's that's where it starts rather than living two different lives which i think some of us tend to do you know and i'm gonna say this (laughs) i get absolutely mad when I see a rodeo contestant, the rodeo's going on and they show up late and they need to go pay the secretary and they come walking across the arena in a, in a, in a ball cap, a t-shirt and a pair of Hey dudes. Yeah. That I may it have pride in what we are, mm-hmm. have pride in what you do. You know, they, there was, I, I've seen contestants come to get paid when the rodeo's going on. And they walk up there in a pair of a pair of flip flops, a pair of shorts, holding a beer. Mm-hmm. And and those contestant or those those committee members that work to put the money up for our rodeos see that. Those spectators see that. Those sponsors see that. And that just like you say, we've got to all start working together. Or one of these days, it might all go away. Yeah. Yeah, and it could. It could. Right now, we're definitely outnumbered. Yes. I had a I had a stock contractor tell me when I first started, he said, when you show up to town, he said, I don't care when you're in your truck if you wear a greasy, grimy pair of overalls that you changed the oil in the truck on the day before. He said, but when you get to town, you look the part and you be proud to be the part. And I, and I listened to his advice and I had that rodeo for 17 years. Oh, nice. Um, so that's something that, that I've tried to take to heart. Now, when I go golfing or I'm hanging out at the trailer, yeah, I wear my shorts and my Hey dudes. I'm just like everybody else. But when I'm representing that rodeo in that town, no, I, I don't wear a, a, a Wrangler logoed shirt, you know, with my sponsors down the chest, but I try to look good and try to look professional because that also lets people know, Hey, there's something going on in town this weekend. Yes. Yes. So one thing that I try to stress too, just especially to these, to these younger kids, you know, there's a lot of first generation cowboys and cowgirls right now. And, yep. um, we are the entertainment and I think it's easy to get wrapped up because we're not the ones getting paid. Like we're paying to play. So we can sometimes get kind of confused that, well, no, we're paying to be here. Well, no, actually that's not how it works. Like, yes, we are, but without those committees paying the stock contractors and the producers to have that rodeo and us showing up, we don't have rodeo. So we are the entertainment and we get to play for money while we're there. So we have to, if we want to have a show to go to, we got to be the entertainment in the show when the stage and the lights are on. Well, 
I had a contract. Well, the same one that told me about, you know, looking the part when you're in that town and this might ruffle some feathers, but I'm going to say it anyway. And this is the first time I've ever said it on a public stage. A lot of times contestants think that the rodeo is a pyramid. Mm -hmm. This is the way that it was explained to me. Rodeo is a pyramid. And a lot of times contestants think they're at the top of that pyramid. In reality, the top of that pyramid is the committee. Because without the committee, there is no stock contractor. Without the stock contractor, there is no association. Without the association, there is no need for the contestant. Right. Well, and the fans, you know, without the fans who pay for everything or pay for a large chunk of it, the ticket. They, they, they are actually the top of the deal. Yeah. Because if, if you're not in an area that's going to support it, there's no need in having it. Yeah. You've got and, the fans, and the sponsors. Times, yes. A lot of times the reason that a new rodeo is formed is because they went and they saw this rodeo and they thought it was cool and they want to bring it to their town. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it's all a cycle and it's all a circle. You know, I've been on the board of directors on a couple different associations and, and I've made some lasting relationships that will last a lifetime. And I've lost some of my best friends in the world because of it. But, but the associations, the contestants, the committees, when they're tight and they're, and, and things are good, you have outstanding events. But when things start to unravel with one group of that, then it all goes south. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all in it together. It is a pyramid and we are all in it. Yeah. We're all, we're all a part of it. It just depends on where you're at in it. Mm-hmm. Yes. All important pieces of the puzzle for sure. Exactly. That's a, exactly. That's a really neat way to look at it. And um, I think that's something worth, you know, looking into further and creating something that I, I think that our stock contractors, our producers, our associations, um, we all, they get to have a play a bigger part in educating their contestants as well. You know, having this kind of conversation so that we all remember how this really works. Um, because yeah. I think it's just too much. It's a hobby, uh, which is great. And and we love it. Uh, but if we want to see it continue, it's important to realize how it works. If we don't understand how it works, that's when we start to form opinions and judgments and have conversations that are out of place, out of context, because we don't understand the process and how it actually happens. Exactly. Exactly. And we, you know, we used to have family rodeos and we say, it's just like the volunteering thing, you know, before you're going to complain about something, get out there and try it yourself. And yep. before you're going to try to tell somebody else how to run their event, get out there and get your boots dirty. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. So, yeah. But we could probably go on about that for, for days. Oh, we could, yeah, we could talk about <laughs> this for days and days and days. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So we are rounding out with our time. And one thing that I, I've kind of heard you say multiple times throughout this is just about the relationships that you've built. And relationship building is such a critical component in being successful in anything. Like, just like you said, rodeo is a family. Anything that you want to be successful in, in life, it takes a tribe, it takes a village, it takes people. 
And so I just, what are your tips or tricks or advice on building the solid relationships that we need to be successful in the ways that you have? Be honest, be upfront. Um, and, and if something doesn't go your way, don't get mad. There's, there's always tomorrow. And I don't mean to sound cliche, but if it doesn't go your way today, chances are it's going to be better tomorrow. Um, my, my, one of my pictures on, on Facebook and, and, and you might've actually seen it, but it, it says, it says, make the rest of your life, the best of your life. Mm -hmm. And I saw that somewhere about 10 days ago and I'm 43 years old. I'm not getting any younger. I love what I do. I would not trade what I do for anything. I love selling cattle. I love meeting people and I love announcing rodeos, but I truly want to make like the Tim McGraw says my next 30 years. I want to make the next 30 years, the best of my life. Um, I want to work the best rodeos and the biggest sales and, and I want to have fun. And my advice to the kids, like I said, or adults, be honest, be just, and remember that if it doesn't go your way, it's going to be better down the road. Yes, that is fantastic advice. And so, so, so true. You know, whether it's a judge's call or a, a horse that got sick or a conversation that went wrong or something that's not rodeo related at all. This applies to life in all realms. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is fantastic advice, Brandon. And I think we can just call it a wrap on that because that's a great place to leave it off. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it. And hopefully we can do it again sometime. Yes, you bet. Thanks for taking the time to, to talk to us today. And, you know, you can just hear the passion in your voice. You can tell that your your heart is full and that you are serving your purpose. And um, so keep up the good work. You're doing you're doing great stuff. All right. Thank you. You bet. Have a great day. You too. Mm -hmm.